This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Mike White, and you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. So the note that I have with the script for the intro and everything has a typo, and I'm just going to read it as is. <laughs> Do it. Hell, and welcome to the Obsessive Viewer. <laughs> We're a movie and TV podcast. Where but... everything is burning down around us. <laughs> yes, not too far from the truth. <laughs> We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com and more podcasts presented by Obsessive Viewer at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And if you want to support us with your monies, uh, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. We have several different reward tiers. I'll run them down really quick. Uh, $1 per month, you get access to, uh, well, like almost 150 now, um, exclusive B-roll episodes recorded before each recording of each podcast episode. And at the $2 level, you get that plus TV review and reaction episodes as well as book review and reaction episodes. I did episode reviews of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm currently doing Chapel Wait. And coming later this month, I will be doing Foundation on Apple TV+. And, uh... I also reviewed Billy Summers in five episodes over covering four hours of content. And uh, yeah, so at the $5 level, you get all of that plus movie commentary tracks that I review uh, that I record uh, occasionally. And finally, at $10, you get all of that plus early access to content and previously unreleased episodes. Again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And uh, yeah, please support us if you can. It's uh, it's I put a lot of stuff out there and I will say that next year is looking to be a big patreon year for us um yes so i'm your host you're the aforementioned matt hurt and with me today is og co-host of the podcast uh the man of many talents michael white hi mike man, you're so you give me such uh flourish when you introduce me that's so kind glad to be here of course yes. as always excited to do this episode specifically mm -hmm. because i feel like we haven't had a pair of great movies to talk about yes sorry to jump ahead oh, we no. like these movies uh yeah we haven't had a pair of really good movies to talk about totally in the era of covid so mm -hmm. this this ought to be you're you're in for a good listen and a good chat yeah I think. which is interesting because i think coda Coda premiered at Sundance. Was that Sundance this year? It would have had to have been Sundance this year, right? I think it was this year, yeah. Okay, but like Candyman was postponed from last year. So That's right. It's mm -hmm. uh that's mildly interesting. But um yeah, yeah it's uh, I'm I'm so delighted to have you on the show and to talk to you about these movies in particular because we have had several conversations throughout this whole year where like the the dearth of quality movies is very apparent this year. Mm -hmm. And like we've we've kind of ruminated on that as to whether it's because just fatigue, like just COVID like re reaction or, or um, just still feeling that just glum of the pandemic and everything that we're still fucking in. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, oh, some yeah. of the best stuff has been bumped. Like, we're still yes. experiencing things 
Um, you know, movies that were meant to come out last year mm-hmm. are being bumped for a second time yes. or a third time. I mean, like major bumps mm-hmm. for a second time beyond just the initial one month or whatever. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, we're going to get some of those that were meant to come out here in the next couple of months. But mm-hmm. I think it's going to continue to look bleak for a while, especially yeah. considering you know the the just the productions that mm. shut down because of covid completely yeah. or the people who you know they're just not making movies during the era yeah. of covid so um it'll be a lot like after that writers strike in oh, 2000 yeah. whatever that was 2005 or 6 I think it was 2007 yeah, yeah 708 yeah uh where in 2010 especially like Right before that awards season, mm-hmm. there was really just some trash in theaters. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to see an even worse version of that. And mm-hmm. one of the things we've talked about in this podcast a couple times now is the 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 rise of video on demand. Yeah. Um, really, I mean, I think we can I think we can I think theaters are on the deathbed. <laughs> yeah. And w- let's 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 dig into that in a bit, because I, I do have. Sure questions and topics but first i want to mention uh your band released an album let's talk about that the spirit yeah of the staircase. positive stuff we'll start yes, with the positive yes. stuff so yeah. the spirit of the staircase is finally out and uh, i didn't mean that derogatory or anything it's like <laughs> highly anticipated yeah but yeah the t- your tone is correct finally <laughs> out with an exasperated sigh uh isn't far from it mm-hmm how, um, I, that yeah. that's not to say I'm not super proud of it. I'm right. very excited for people to have it, to hear it. Mm-hmm. We shipped out the, uh, I think the first time I mentioned it on this podcast, I told you guys that there was going to be a Kickstarter for it mm-hmm. that launched. It was successful. We shipped out all the albums. I emailed the digital content to mm-hmm. all of our digital backers. Uh, and really all that's left is the couple of song shop songs, yes. uh, which we're doing one for this very podcast. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's out. The Spirit of the Staircase. Um, it's I really like it. People are mm-hmm. people are giving us some great compliments, nice. selling copies of the CD and you mm-hmm. can listen to it wherever you stream music. We'd appreciate it a lot. Yes. What is your personal favorite track on it? That's so interesting. <laughs> And part of me has this, like, I don't really want to say mm-hmm. because I don't want anybody to be like, well, that's not my favorite or oh, yeah. I wish he would have said my favorite. Right. But then part of me is just the Fiddler's tune and I just mm-hmm. want to say it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, I Well, I do have the I do have the fortune of, um, you know, I write music with a partner so mm-hmm. I, I can kind of be fond of the other guy's work. Yeah you know, in my band that I get to be a part of, like I'm nice. on that song. I sing, I play on it, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he kind of came to the band with that entire composition. And nice. So, uh, you know, I love Dustin's songs and mm-hmm. Fiddler's tune is one of his songs. And I, I just nice. think that one is pretty great. That's awesome. <laughs> and where can people find as good as it gets online and social media and all that? Uh, yeah. So Instagram uh, as dot good dot, as dot it dot gets dot music is the name of the Instagram. You just search as good as it gets music. Mm-hmm. We're on Instagram. Nice. Uh, we have a, a band Twitter, but you could just follow me at I am Mike White. Probably mm-hmm. the easiest place is as good as it gets music dot com. 
nice. as good as it gets music.com. We'll kind of give you the links to all those. We do cover videos. We have a Patreon of our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, you can, you have links to all our stuff. Our old bands music is also everywhere. You listen to music. You can find that as good as it gets music.com. So nice. Uh, and of course, it, links to all this is in the show notes. Right. Yeah. And if you've listened to this uh, podcast before, um, I'll try not to, I'll try not to hawk my music every time I'm on. <laughs> but uh, if you are new to it, check it out. I require you to hawk your music every time. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, yeah, so that's great. So movie theaters are dying. Um, still... <laughs> yeah, back to the death. Yeah. Well, I just. Um, yeah. How we're, we're, Well, so a lot yeah. of things haven't been great. Um, a lot of. I mean, there have been good movies. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that mm-hmm. there, there aren't, but nothing has moved me in the last couple of years quite the way these last two really, yeah. that we're going to talk about. Oh yeah. I, I, when I think about my list, mm-hmm. my top ten from last year, the this is one and two on mm-hmm. my last year's list as well. And oh I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I guess I'll spoil our January episode right. as well, but. Uh, I really like these quite a bit more than anything I've seen in in about eighteen months, and that's yeah, like cool f- for this weekend, but mm-hmm. a little troubling, I think. Yeah, and I think in I don't know, maybe maybe I'm gonna look at this in too dour of a way, but in terms of movie theater attendance and everything, I had like I I had messaged you and said that I thought that I was going to be the only person in the theater for Candyman. And it turned out like two people showed up uh, about four minutes into the movie, but it was still like Candyman came out like two weeks ago. Yeah. And like, this is a Friday and granted it's Friday afternoon at five. um, And it's the weekend that a, uh, um, a Marvel movie is premiering. So like there are those caveats, but I'm like, this is this. I, I feel like this should be more because it's a Friday screening. Totally. Yeah. There would be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. People just aren't going to movies. They, there's so yeah. much to see. There's so much really good content, television, short mm-hmm. form content. Yeah. I've been um, watching Ted Lasso, by the way. Oh. Oh. We'll have it. to do an episode on that. Oh, yeah. For sure. Maybe when this season ends, we can that, do a season recap or something. That's the plan. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For the two seasons, I would say, because we didn't yeah. cover season one. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, there's so much content across so many platforms, so many going straight to on demand or or streaming that it's just it's really, really, um, I don't know, scary, I guess. Should yeah. we talk about the the straight to streaming movie first, then, yes. so we can kind of talk in a positive way yeah. about? Yeah, I do want to say: is there any? Are there any movie new? Is there any movie news that hit that you want to talk about? Because I can't think of any off the top of my head. Not specifically. I think okay. the one that I've kind of been chewing on a lot recently that I think is confusing and interesting is moving Venom. There will be carnage to October 15th, which is the same day as Halloween. Uh It's I, that's interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. I like box office numbers really mean nothing to me. I I don't know why I have any real dog in the fight, but Mm -hmm. you know, that 
Halloween 2018 did so well. Mm-hmm. I hate the idea that another thing would eat into its yeah, <laughs> literally eat into it. Eat it yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, nice. Um, into its profits. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely going to see Halloween that weekend. Oh yeah, rather than Venom. But yeah, it's just a weird choice. I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we should probably talk about uh, the uh, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Oh yeah, yeah. Oof, how much do you want to spend? No, oh, we can we can make uh, as much time as we want. Um, yeah, as long as pizza doesn't fuck up the recording. Well, um, what was your reaction? Uh, very excited. I mean, it, like not surprised per se, because there's been so many. Like there's been like the tw- Twitter has been obnoxious about talking about Spider-Man and how obviously with Doctor Strange being involved in it, it's going to be like, there's so many, there's, there are so many, not leaks, but there, there were so many conversations about like, Oh, Alfred Molina is going to come back as Doc Ock. I think they may even have announced that or whatever, but just seeing that and seeing like the trailer, like the, the um, green goblin laugh and everything. And Yeah. yeah. Um, just, it, it looks like it's going to be super fun. I have not revisited far from home since the theater, so I don't know how that holds up, but I, I love homecoming so much and I love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. How about, how about you? Yeah. Same boat. Um, I don't know. It didn't hit me Mm. with the same amount of excitement as like those early Spider-Man ones. Um, I don't know. There, there's something about this iteration of Spider-Man, and I really did like Homecoming as well, mm-hmm. and I like Far From Home a lot as well. Nice. I think they're well-constructed, well-made movies. Mm-hmm. It's just not the version of Spider-Man that I'm crazy about. Yeah. Um, I've always been a little critical of when any of the Marvel properties, like when the comics, when like Avengers comics mm-hmm. treat Spider-Man as like a sidekick kind of character. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he just still, this will be the third film in a row where mm. like he's trying to prove something to like a father figure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like, I can respect and appreciate that sort of, uh, that perspective and that mm-hmm. story arc, especially for uh, a new generation, you know, young people where yeah. the MCU is kind of the larger umbrella and it falls under it. But mm-hmm. uh, for me, those Tobey Maguire originals where like, as far as we know, he's the only superhero yeah. in the world. Uh, that's more interesting to me. I, I mean, as yeah. my favorite superhero, I, I kind of like a focus. Mm-hmm. I'm having such a weird negative take. Because watching the trailer, I got excited. I yeah. mean, seeing oh, all yeah. those things was definitely exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, when he says hello, Peter, mm-hmm. I so obviously there's that the the break every minute down at 0.25 speed, right? You know, minutia. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's talking <laughs> to Tobey Maguire, I've, but I've they're seen splicing that. two yeah. scenes, and I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, but like, if he <laughs> is talking to Tom Holland, there an interesting mm. thought in my head was like, like, do all of these Peters look the same? Oh yeah, you huh. know what I mean. Like, mm. does he see who we think is Tom Holland? That's and it's just all the same guy they just got different actors to play the same human being across different 
universes. Huh. Okay, so are you okay? Are you are you saying that Alfred Molina may not be the Doc Ock from Spider Man Two? No, I'm saying if he is, okay. I'm saying in his eyes, in this, it's so hard to talk about the real world and multiverses. Right. Like, do all the Spider Men just look one way? Oh, okay. Like they look like one person that looks like some amalgam of Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. And so mm-hmm. we see Tom Holland because he's played by a man named Tom Holland. Right. But does that character, Doc Ock, when he comes in from whatever universe he's from, does he see the same Peter he has seen all along? I, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say no. <laughs> Just because I think that that would be, that would be too convoluted for, for the movie. Um, I think that if that was the case, case they wouldn't i don't know i i don't know why would he then assume that that kid's name is peter i i would one i would almost stake my reputation on on it being a situation where they splice together scenes and he's Two not scenes. yeah or okay. or he just like he's he's aware that he's in a different uh different verse verse or whatever and he has become aware that there is a peter parker that is spider-man in that world and he knows that it's tom holland yeah um yeah that's what i think but yeah it's possible i don't know i think of like in the comics Mm -hmm. just you know the history of spider-man has been drawn by hundreds of different artists Mm -hmm. and so he all almost always looks different but it's the same spider-man hmm and do you? I don't know. There's some, there there's something that tickles my brain a little bit that mm-hmm. like he looks the same across all the multiverses. We just keep seeing him differently. That's interesting. I'm gonna need to get rid of this cat. Um <laughs> like if Toby Maguire shows up in that scene and mm-hmm. stands next to Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. There's part of me that wonders or thinks it would be cool or interesting, like if he couldn't tell the two apart. But we could because in our world he's played by two different actors. That, but that it's still just Spider-Man. Yeah, I I guess I'm just not I'm not sure how they would do that in a film medium. <laughs> um, I don't know how they would communicate that in it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're um, right. Do you think? I mean, at this point, do you think that? Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in the movie. Is it worth even talking I mean, about it? Yeah, that's all but confirmed, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, they yeah. ha- they've worked so hard to cover that up. That's right. Absolutely, yes. Mm. Right? Yeah, it I, has. I to hope be. it's more than a cameo. Oh yeah, I really hope oh, it's yeah. more than a cameo. Yeah, I think yeah. I would be disappointed if it was a cameo. Same here. Same here. Yeah. I think. I think I would yeah. like for them to be in the climax. Yeah. Yep. Follow-up question to that. How do you feel about the MCU right now, uh, this year? Because, I mean, I mean, Black Widow in July, uh, Shang-Chi now, um, <laughs> and uh, obviously WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and then Eternals, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Sp- uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Are there any others mm-hmm. that are coming out this year that I'm forgetting? Not this year, no. no. Hawkeye is the next thing, but that's oh, yeah. not until next year. I heard that that's going to be like probably December. 
Oh, December. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, I think it was announced for November. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think they oh, announced the okay. release date. Well, we've got Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. And then also, what if? And like, do you, yeah. are you feeling any fatigue? Are you excited about all of these things? Um, no, 100% fatigue. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm pretty sure that my, my, my best friend and my life mate, Dustin, will listen mm-hmm. to this episode. I, oh, yeah. I know that he Hi, tries Dustin. to listen to the episodes that I'm on. Hi, Dustin. I yeah. love you. <laughs> Text me. Call your mother. <laughs> call call your Mike. He misses you. Um. Uh. And I. I don't think I'm like it won't shock him to hear mm-hmm. me tell you. I'm. I am a little fatigued. Yeah. Um. There's something. Yeah. There's something that ended for me with Endgame. Mm-hmm. It was so beautiful. Yeah, how Endgame ended. It was so beautiful. There's nothing. I mean, I, I could just continue to gush about it, like I've done so many times on this show, right? And the year that it came out, and whatever that it was so perfect. Mm-hmm. And I love endings, and I loved the ending of that era. And there's part of me that was kind of like, it's not really for me anymore, and I'm mm. kind of okay with that. Okay. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, oh, totally. I, I, I'm a little burnt out. I'm not as excited as I used to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm also kind of okay with that. Interesting. Now, there's also COVID the last couple of years. Yeah. There's all, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, WandaVision was a special show. And mm-hmm. that was appointment television for me. And I yeah. loved every minute of that. For reasons I think that were part of the mcu but also independent of the mcu sure um but falcon and the winter soldier was really cool but it was mm-hmm. just the next captain america movie yeah and yeah. not as good as winter soldier if i right. could say that um loki was cool but i don't know ultimately like the idea of a multiverse is a little too much for my comfort level yeah and we've talked about that and i'm kind of the opposite like that kind of opened me up to like the potential of phase four and beyond yeah Um, that's exactly what dustin said okay he he likes he likes the idea that you can open up um Mm -hmm. but i really love i really get attached to the the originals i really like my characters Mm -hmm. and i love the idea that like steve rogers is just done yeah i love that and my steve rogers is done Mm -hmm. i don't want i don't need another like that tony stark is dead that's so cool yeah so there's something that like that disconnect of a multiverse almost allows me to be like well they're not my characters anymore i'm really okay okay Gotcha. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I hope I'm explaining myself well enough, but um, Eternals, I I really am so excited for Kumail Nanjiani, but oh, me too. Extremely little interest in that. Yeah. It. You know. It. And this is something that might be. I don't know. Maybe I. Maybe I'm putting too much. I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting, but I'm also maybe putting too much into uh, what they're doing. But I do think it's unique that. Like there, what was it? Um, I don't think this was Shang Chi. Maybe it was Black Black Widow. But there was a moment where, uh, in one of the, one of the multitude of things that have come out and everything, where they reference the they reference the blip, the the whole Thanos thing, 
And like it's mentioned just like very briefly, like, oh yeah, everything changed like three years ago and, and like every like it's very it's casual but still has that weight to it. And it's it was very much uh, it was a line. I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but anyway, it was such a vague reference to it that, like, in my head, I like I immediately almost connected it to COVID in the real world and not Thanos oh, and everything. Yeah. And That's so I, funny. I find it interesting. And like, there's that line in the Eternals trailer where uh, what's her name it says like, oh yeah, Thanos changed everything, and then. Uh, and then, and then people on this planet brought everyone back and that caused the emergence or whatever. Um, like all of that, I'm like thinking like it's, it's interesting to think. And again, maybe I'm just putting a lot more into the MCU than needs to be or should be. But I think that it's interesting that now, um, the MCU has this, has this demarcation, this, this mark of, of something big that happened in universe and these movies and shows are coming out after after and during us experiencing a big in the real thing. world. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I just found that kind of kind of well, interesting. Well, and maybe I'm still um, damaged by COVID. That yeah? I that I just entertainment is not hitting me mm-hmm. the same way it did before COVID. Yeah, I'm feeling that. I'm I'm feeling like entertainment fatigue. Oh, me where too. Nothing quite we'll talk about this when we talk about the movies Mm -hmm. that we're gonna review nothing is quite hitting me the way things did before COVID, and i think it's probably depression and anxiety sure sure um but yeah things i don't know they feel a little inconsequential we're like spoiled for choice because there's just so much content and stuff to choose from i'm really like my um my most recent filter or Mm -hmm. lens through everything that I watch is like, what was the money making choice? Oh, interesting here. And it's really ruining a lot of things for me. (laughs) You know, like uh, the the trailer for the Eternals. Mm -hmm. I saw that trailer and I, I was 4% 4% interested in that movie. Okay. On, on a 100% scale, I was 4% mm. interested. And when like the early Marvel movies would come out and you would get like the usual people who would be like, we don't need another superhero blow right. them up. They're all the same. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you don't understand. This is Captain America from my <laughs> comics in a movie. And I'm sorry. You don't understand that. Mm-hmm. But now I, I'm feeling their perspective okay. when Disney is like, look, yes. here's the Eternals. Yep. You're going to love this one too. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's just another people in stupid costumes using magic. Yeah. Which I feel bad saying, like well, I'm making fun of nerds. I'm making fun of my own people. Well, no, but- with, I mean, with the Eternals specifically, I don't know anything about them, but like judging from the trailers and everything that plus, I mean, even Captain Marvel is guilty of this. Like, they are, I mean, they're super powered. Like they're they're uh, uh, unstoppable. Like they're overpowered. They just seem yeah. like there's like there's no reason to think to doubt their abilities. Judging from what I've seen in the trailer for Eternals, like I mean, like oh, we've been around for thousands of years. Like okay, cool. So you can't die. Um, where what are the stakes? Like how are you going to? And yeah. Are are you going to have stakes in the movie in a in a convincing way in universe? Like, because that that just kind of makes it just seem overpowered, and it's just 
you know, same as just shooting lasers at people and just getting knocked down and right. getting back up. Yeah, it's just it's yeah, something. It didn't hit me till later, but I'm feeling that like superhero fatigue. Yeah. Of like that's all you know, watching Coda, it's like mm-hmm. they don't put movies like this in theaters. Yeah, they this and, will not. This does not come to theaters. Yeah, and there are only like a few lasers there, and I mean, you know, well, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, only a couple explosions. Right. No, but like <laughs> you either get super cheap, cheap horror movies, mm-hmm. movies with guns in them. Yeah. Or superhero movies. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You and have to I'm seek just... out. Yeah, and now they've infiltrated our television, right? With yeah. Disney Plus. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's... I don't know. I I hate to uh... even sound like a critic because I I liked mm-hmm. those shows. Yeah. And watching them on Facetime with Dustin was a right. was a real treat every week. Well, um, I, I also think that part of it is maybe from from my perspective, like I'm still interested in in a lot of the stuff coming out just because I don't have that comic like mindset like i'm like none of these are my characters because i've never read the comics but part of me is like okay well like we're getting 2020s properties and 2021s like pushed Mm -hmm. together and it's like this is this is too much like i mean what four movies and four or five shows it's just it's 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 way too much I can't keep up. My yeah. nerd credit punch ticket mm-hmm. is like it was empty for a year and now there it's just like two punches per month. Yeah. I wanted to do episode by episode recaps on Patreon for what if and then I was just like I, I watched part of the first episode and I was just like I I mean I I'll I'll watch it, but I'm like maybe I'll just I'll just do a season recording for it because I, I don't I've talked so much about the MCU over the last year or so. Yeah. That I just, I don't, I don't know that I can do episode by episode of this half hour show that is, is so contingent on the lore established in it. Like I'm sure I could, but I I don't want to burn myself out too much. Having said that, Shang-Chi, I really liked. I will say that. Yeah. Like (laughs) when a podcast I like has a guest that I don't care for and I'm Mm -hmm. relieved that I don't have to listen to an episode. (laughs) The fact that what if is alternate Mm -hmm. possibilities and not characters that I have to be invested in. Sure. I don't feel sad that I'm not watching What If. Okay. I'm sorry, Dustin. I'm sorry, Dustin. Mm -hmm. I love you. I'm not sorry, Dustin. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so I, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, so we, we've got you on the hook for Shang-Chi Eternals, uh, episode by episode of, of, uh, Hawkeye. And then, uh, yeah. When I think about seeing the Eternals, (laughs) I wonder what else will be coming out that week. Oh, yeah. And, in and all of what those, are the odds I would see something else? Yeah, in all instead. of those, all of those movies and MCU properties that I named, I don't think I actually named Spider-Man: No Way Home. So that's another one. Oh, as, yeah. yeah. After we oh, just I'm spent super excited yeah. about that. Though. Oh, me that'll too. Be, that'll yeah. be a, a blast. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I don't know, but to your point about like them not releasing these movies in the like like the the good movies in theaters, like I'm I'm sure that they. <clears throat> I don't know if Coda was just straight to Apple Plus or what, but like, I mean, here it was. Okay. So it was at it was at the film festivals virtually, yeah. 
Uh, and then it was, it was, uh, I don't know if it was the, like, like the highest bid, but Apple mm-hmm. bought it. Yeah. Okay. Right there. Just yeah. for just solely Apple TV. So they didn't release it uh, for Apple okay. TV plus. Yep. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, to that point, yeah, I feel like I, I mean, I'm in Indianapolis, which isn't a big market or anything, but like we do have like an art house theater here and there. Like I can, I can go see like prestige movies and, and like the Oscar bait stuff. Um, and every, and like we have film festivals here in town, which is, is great and, and amazing. And it helps pad my, uh, my movie watching each year. But like, you know, I'm lucky that it's Indianapolis is big enough to have that kind of, I don't know, pull. Um, yeah. 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 But it's, it's something. It's, I wanted to name our next album too much, everything, everywhere, all the time. <laughs> I, I actually really fucking love that. Yeah. Thanks. That's great. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. So should we go into our first review of the night for, uh, Coda? Let's do it. All right. So as we normally do, we're going to do a non-spoiler and spoiler review. Uh, Coda is currently streaming on Apple TV Plus, which I've got to say has a like a surprisingly amount a surprising amount of really good content. Um, well, yeah. Tad Le- t- Tad Le- t- <laughs> Le- Led Tasso. <laughs> if you watch that episode, yeah, is one of the best pieces of entertainment i've yeah. seen in the COVID era Did, i mean that is worth the apple tv plus subscription yeah. just to feel good when everything is burning mm-hmm. down yep did you hell, see hell hell and welcome to the obsessive Your podcast <laughs> right, right. <laughs> nice uh did you see the the thing about uh the guy who plays um oh god roll Roy Kent. Roy Kent. Yeah. Um, how there, there's some weird fan thing where they're like, yeah, I think he's CGI. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Did you see funny. his response to that? No. <laughs> it's so fucking like check out when you have time, check out his Instagram because he posted something where he has like a filter and then do you want me to spoil it? Um, sure. Okay. He says like, because like there's like people like there. It, kind of got went viral that people on like a message board somewhere were talking about how he looks like he's cgi and not a real person and there's like this whole theory that he's actually computer generated it's just fucking ridiculous like when i saw that i wanted to retweet it and be like it's a it's okay not to not to you don't have to say every half thought opinion <laughs> like just think it think about it a little bit yeah but his response on Instagram was to post a video of himself uh, with a filter, so it looks like uh, like a an animated head. And he says, "Like I don't, I mean, I'm a human being. I do normal human being things, like uh, like buffering and transferring files and everything." It's <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's really good. Um, that's funny. But yeah, but and then the last thing I was gonna say, I forgot when we were talking about Spider Man. Did you? See, I think I retweeted it, but there was a video of someone who took the um, Hello Peter moment and uh, played Doc Ock's uh, music from Spider-Man 2 under it. I saw that you tweeted that. Okay. But I haven't watched it yet. Okay. I recommend it because I like, I mean, I have, I, I love Spider-Man 2 so much. Yeah, it's great. So much. And like hearing that music just 
just really felt like I, f- I felt things. It was really good. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go into our first review of the night. <laughs> Coda. Coda. Let's do it. Yes. So Coda is currently streaming on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, the plot summary courtesy of IMDb is as a coda child of death as a coda child of deaf adults ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family when the family's fishing business is threatened ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music and her fear of abandoning her parents uh so like i said this is streaming on apple tv plus it stars Amelia Jones as Ruby Rossi, Marley Matlin as Jackie, and Troy uh, Kotsor as Frank, and Daniel Durant as Leo. And it was written and directed by, uh, I hope I'm not mispronouncing this, Cyan Heater. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was Cyan. Yeah. Part of me wondered as if it was Sh- it's just Sean Heater. Maybe, because there's like that little accent on the eye. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Ms. Heater. Yes. Your movie's great. We yes. don't know how to pronounce your name. I right. apologize. So let's talk about this movie. Um, we, we've had many conversations over the last nine months now about uh, the just the lack of good movies coming out that are on our radar and our lack of enthusiasm and motivation about watching movies and everything, um, which we've touched on this episode. We won't go into any deeper thing, but just for context... I am very much aware that when I look at my letterbox, August, I watched four movies. And when wow. I, yeah, it is now September and I have not broken 100 movies watched in 2021. And it's yeah. just, I haven't even counted mine, but yeah, it's, it's bleak. It's bleak. Yeah. So with that caveat, I messaged you and I, uh, like, I just said, like, it is so, it is so warming and so nice to have the experience of watching a movie and knowing while you're watching it that, oh, this is a movie I'm going to be talking about in January. This is going to be one of my top yeah. top 10 movies. And it's just like I forgot that feeling. Like I forgot how that felt. And it was just so, so great. And I wish I wasn't watching it while I was working from home. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. You know, it reminded me that conversation. Mm-hmm. um, that we had earlier reminded me of when we talked about watching Palm Springs last year, which I feel like if I reorganize my list, that might be higher up, but Mm -hmm. um, just when a movie takes care of you and like early on lets you know that you're in good hands and Mm -hmm. and you're going to be entertained um, and you're going to be taken on a journey. I, you just, I don't know. We don't see a lot of that. Um, you're either going to be watching superhero movies or you're going to be watching a horror movie. So yep. I don't watch a lot of movies like this. And my wife mm. suggested it. And just immediately, <clears throat> sorry, mm. uh, immediately you get the sense that like the, the, the bones of this story are as old as storytelling. Oh I yeah. Mean, a girl is different from her family wants mm-hmm. to get out of her hometown Yeah, is so basic. And so, um, the question of the movie, I think that that Cyan Heater asks of us is: Is her version of that interesting enough to mm-hmm. make you feel feelings? Interesting enough to stick with it? Do the yes. do does the performances of my characters warrant sticking with it? Um, especially so. This movie, by the way, uh, is a remake of a French film, right? Which was criticized for using yeah. hearing actors as deaf characters in the movie, which is weird. Yeah. That's a weird choice to me. Yeah. 
why it, you would do that. So I don't know, not shame on them, but weird decision yeah. making. So all of her uh, deaf characters are played by deaf actors, uh, including the legendary uh, Marley Matlin. Yes. Um, and they're excellent. So let's start there. Oh my I think God, we should start yes. with the performances. Um, and, and before we get to that, actually, to your point, and well, maybe this is a deeper, deeper conversation, but like, also, yes, it is kind of a story as old as time and everything. But I think that one of the, and you touched on this, one of the things that I found really intriguing about it and really satisfying about it is that it is depicting, it is, it is shining a light on people that are, are, different from you and I and have different mm-hmm. life experiences and like the way that that informs uh Ruby's choices and her her dilemma throughout the movie is like it I mean it just really uh it's it's amazing because I the thing that I love about movies is that they're empathy machines and like it just made me I was so like to, to borrow your phrasing like it just the movie was holding me and it putting me in a in a position where I was feeling for these characters that I don't share their life experience or I don't share their yes. unique experience, yeah. And so just like I just I love it when a movie can do that and do it so well. Well, for me to kind of go back to where where I almost took it, that's mm-hmm. that's in the performances for me. Yes, oh, and, they're yeah. so good and so believable. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment, <clears throat> um, where my personal favorite character was the dad. Yes. Uh, He's great. I connected with him on like a fatherly level, mm-hmm. um, but also watching his emotional journey, which will save some of it for the spoiler section. But mm-hmm. um, there is a scene where, so one of her conflicts is they, they own a fishing boat um, and she is their interpreter yeah. uh, for all the people who they sell their fish to because they're completely deaf. They're, they're mm-hmm. signing only and she can, uh, she is hearing and can also speak sign language. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, and so she, under the pressure of like wanting to do choir and hang mm-hmm. out with the boy that she likes, mm-hmm. she decides to take a day where she's not going to help them. Right. Uh, and then so a conflict arises and there's trouble. Yeah. And I think in lesser hands, in a worse performance or a, or a, a not as competently directed movie, um he would have like gone off on her. You left yeah. us in the lurch, you blah, blah, blah. And the way he was just like, if you would have told us, we would have had it covered. Right. It's, it's just, I, yeah. I felt so, that felt like such a realistic, good dad. Yes. Performance. Like I'm mad at you because you made a wrong choice, but mm-hmm. I'm not angry at you for, you know what I mean? I'm not blaming you for the trouble that we're in. And and that's why I was so taken with just that family dynamic because it's never it's it's their conflict with with her choices and her decisions even though I mean by all accounts like the conflict that she has her her hopes and dreams are potentially something that will you know enrich her life and and create her own individual life and everything. But their conflict with that is never necessarily that they want never necessarily that they want to lose her, but it's more that they function as a unit, as a complete family. And right. that family dynamic is so just 
so beautifully told. And like when you come across those those conflicts, like like the one you referenced, it's not something that is out of um out of like a sense of propriety. Like he like you said, he doesn't feel like it's she should have put her her decision her her day ahead of the, her family commitments and everything because there's no question of how committed they are as a family right it's just when you know something happens that they're let down or or they they're uh they're you know struggling with something it's a complete it, it's a complete unit not just an internalized central thing for one yeah. person it's just it's i i love that i thought it was written just because you're family right. dynamic. Yeah, you're right. It could have been totally melodramatic, co- totally contrived. You left us, and this is your yes. fault. You're never allowed to sing again, or right. whatever bullshit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think, uh, to me, the thesis of the movie is the inherent ways families misunderstand each other, mm-hmm. even under the best conditions. Right? Like, there's the the boyfriend the love interest, not boyfriend, the love interest character even kind of explicitly says like your family loves each other. They laugh, they're, they're connected. They understand each other. But Mm -hmm. so like we get that glimpse of, yeah, there's a handicap. I don't know if that's the politically correct way to say that, That, but the, the, the fact that they are deaf um, has its own struggles, but they work as a unit. Like Mm -hmm. you said, where they, they, rely on each other in a certain way yet as well as that functions they still misunderstand each other the way all families misunderstand must understand each other Mm -hmm. and the the plot of that is illuminated through the fact that uh, the main character ruby like doesn't know if she can sing yeah because the people who would hear her sing can't hear yeah and so they literally don't know or don't understand Mm -hmm. that's so ah that's so beautiful and fascinating to me yeah and there's the moment where the mom is like she's a teenager if i was blind would you want to paint right but it's like no she's good yeah you just don't understand because families are these units but Mm. but different people are different people yep Yep. It's just, ah, yeah. That's so, like, beautifully complicated and Mm -hmm. real and, and, like, made uncomplicated in this really watchable and easy to follow package. Yes. And just, uh, yeah. And, and again, the acting, just like, it's so, it's like, you feel that. You feel the drama of it in a in a in a natural way. It's just like there's a scene we'll probably talk about in spoilers where she has an argument with her brother, and just like, I, I mean, just it just it it's just it's it's beautiful. It's it's so wonderful. It's it's incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. The the so the brother's main arc mm-hmm. is his frustration with being the older sibling and mm-hmm. wanting to take agency. Yeah. Which I kept thinking, like when uh, I kept thinking of that scene in Arrested Development, where Job is like, Job is uh, like, I'm the firstborn, I should be in charge, and uh, and uh, Michael's like, Do you want to? No, but I'd like to be asked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. That's yeah. funny. That's funny. Yeah, not to so, disparage the movie at all, but that's just the 
pop culture reference that I made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the catalyst for Ruby's journey is the eccentric, interesting choir teacher. Yes. Can we, you want to talk about him a little bit? Yeah, he is um, a person that's in the movie. Um, <laughs> so, uh, oh, is his is he Arthur? No, I don't know. No. Because he has a last name, but in the credits. Bernardo Villalobos. Eugenio yes. Derbez. Der, there you Derbez. go. Derbez. Okay, there you go. Um, yeah, I, I kind of felt like... Kind of like a incredibly handsome Latino John Stamos. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I did think that his... I don't know. Maybe his his performance was like wasn't as grounded as the rest of the performances. I feel like it was just a little, a little heightened and, uh, cause like in the movie, he is coaching her for her, um, audition to get into Berkeley. Uh-huh. And I, at some point, I think I just missed that. <laughs> cause like for a second, Oh I, really? Okay. Yeah. For a second, I thought that, Oh, they're just, they're just rehearsing their duets and everything. I'm like, he's, he's taking it really seriously. Like he's, Okay. Um, and then I caught up with it because I'm an idiot, but, um, but yeah, once, once I, I don't know, I just felt like I, I liked his, his arc in terms of kind of a no nonsense kind of, uh, teacher, but I just felt like his energy was like kind of a little heightened, I guess. I don't know. How did you, how did you feel about him? No, I'm with you as, as well. I thought, all of their scenes were charming enough and mm-hmm. and nothing about it bugged me enough that mm-hmm. like it took me out of the movie or I yeah. disliked them. Mm-hmm. I thought it was better than any of the great scenes in Glee. Okay. <laughs> you know, sure. but like just by proxy or not proxy of like not performing scenes with the family, I don't know that he quite n- was in the same movie that they were in. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Like I, I his approach was a little more after school special. Yes. Yes. Than the family was. He, he was playing for like an episode of Glee. Oh yeah. Ruby was not right. And the family definitely was not right. And I think that on a story level as well, I kind of feel like he, he's, either written as or performing as or both the mentor to a, a a character who doesn't have the confidence to to go for her dreams which is is what it is and everything but also i think that that presupposes or that that archetype of a storyline is kind of based on the presumption that she doesn't have a home life that is healthy or good or anything like this is her only way out where she has a good home life by all accounts. It's just that they can't, they literally just can't understand her passion um, the way that he does. And I think that there's a little bit lost in there in terms of how important her mentor and mentee uh, story is when it's also kind of, um, when it's also when it's also combating or or going up against or contending with uh the story of her and her family which is the much stronger story point of the movie by yeah. by I every agree count. are you getting me in your ears extra feed oh no it's gone now okay anyway no. <laughs> i agree except that um 
the director is smart to not make him like a father figure for someone who doesn't have one. Right, right. right? He he really is just fostering that creativity, mm-hmm. and that's why you get like the scenes of them singing and the, yeah. uh, you know them breathing and doing that. Where it's really, it really is this like entertainment focus, you know, like mm-hmm. crafting your art focus to. Uh, to the point where, like, when she's late to a couple of practices, mm. he goes off on her and he's yeah. like, I have a whole life that doesn't include you. Right. I think that's a really key line, mm. which that lets him off the hook a little bit. Yeah. Right. Or at least lets the director off the hook that this mm. guy is not, he's not a replacement. He enhances right. her talents. Yeah, and I do like that kind of no-nonsense kind of approach for him. Like, I totally understand. Like, he reaches decision points that's like, yes, it is. He is He is not um, He's not solely the mentor. He's his own character. He's his own three-dimensional person who has a life off-screen. Right, um, yeah. So I do appreciate that kind of level of uh, dimension that's brought to the, to the movie. What yeah. about Miles, played by Ferdia Walsh-Pilo? I don't know how to pronounce that. He's an Irish actor, mm-hmm. and he was in a great movie a couple years ago called oh. Sing Street. Oh, did you I see never, that movie? I never saw Sing Street. Oh man, I watched it uh, mm. at work during quarantine oh, while my nice. kids were virtual students. Nice. I heard um, incredible things about it. Oh, it's so good. It's mm-hmm. so wonderful. It's kind of like this. They're almost like the Beatles trying to come together and figure out who they want to be, but okay. it's like set in the eighties. Nice. And it's also, I guess it's in Ireland. Hmm. I don't know. He's Irish. His American accent is fantastic. Oh, I, I wouldn't have thought that he didn't have an, uh, an American accent. That's amazing. Yeah. what do you think of him? Uh, I thought that he was fine. I thought that he was good. The drama around the comedy around that character and that, and that scene in the house is, is fantastic. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the the fallout of that is it's fine it's it's a little too i, I it, it didn't feel like it i don't know it didn't have enough substance for me to really be uh, it was like very much a secondary plot line and everything yeah. which is it's fine but um but yeah yeah I'm of two minds about it. I think his performance is pretty good and cute. He's cute as a button. They're mm-hmm. cute together. Yeah. Um, there's the half of me that's like, it's absolutely secondary. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely, they just need a romantic interest yeah. to kind of do that thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other half of me is like, well, yeah, but that's also the most important thing to teenagers. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like to like, if there wasn't a boy in the class that she was interested, that would actually be disingenuous. So, right. And it again, also, it, yeah, it, it also kind of helps with her stage fright of, of sorts and everything like that. Right. Anxiety she yeah, has in that yeah. scene. Also, I just want to point out that I know that minutes have passed since this, but I did, I don't know if this was intentional on your part, but you, when you were talking about Sing Street, you said it's like, it's like the Beatles and they're trying to come together. Um, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I heard it too. Yeah. <laughs> we ought to just let it be. No, nah, nice, let's nice. Go, let's go on. I was trying to think of how to work in Hey Jude, and that wouldn't have worked. Yeah. So well done. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought that it was it was it was fine as a kind of supplementary thing. But I, I yeah, I I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I could take or leave that arc. I do have. I, I do want to talk about the end of 
his arc in in the movie, which we'll talk about in spoilers. But yeah, yeah, we'll Bummer. talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's yeah. It's it's weird. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. Let's see if we can kind of dance around the third act without getting spoilery. Spoilery. Okay. okay. So we can we can kind of discuss uh, uh, those feelings well, and then talk specifically. Well, first let's let's talk about. Uh, oh, I almost just called her Ruby Rossi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Amelia Jones. Amelia Jones. Yeah. I mean, it's I in in my old age. I am finding myself really loving seeing like young actors just fucking knock it out of the park. Me too. And like this, me this, too. Yeah. This it's the same kind of thing that I thought when like watching stranger things and watching other things, I'm like, I'm, I'm watching like the, the early parts of like long careers of, of performers. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm, and she is incredible. Isn't there something. And this is, more about us than the movie but Mm -hmm. isn't there something like freeing and satisfying about like uh, how do i like in our younger days just Mm -hmm. because we're stupid boys like all the female leads are just inherently sexual objects because we're disgusting monkeys Mm -hmm. whereas like now I I don't I don't sexualize them at all. Right. And there's yeah. such a there's such a sense of pride of watching mm-hmm. a a good performance and a, 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 like a teenager be an interesting teenager. Right. I, I find that really fun as a teacher mm-hmm. of, of feeling like not so much a father figure to these kids. They, sure. they don't need me to be a father figure, right. but as a mentor figure. And then when you see it in performances mm-hmm. as well, you're like, oh. Good for that kid. Yeah. That's awesome. And I wonder how much of that is also the industry itself. Granted, this is, you know, an independent movie and everything. But, I mean, do you think that there, with the whole Me Too movement and everything, do you think there has been a concentrated effort in the movies that you see on the, on a big scale of people... Less of, of, sexualization. Less sexualization, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And that's... It's so... Like it, it's it, like you said, it's refreshing. It's It's good. It's authentic it it and it uh, helps me feel like i've matured a lot because yeah i mean you know in in our youths we were dumb kids and right like yeah, yeah it's just it's it's really it's it's nice yeah so yeah. her performance how mm-hmm. they found i don't know if she had to learn sign language for this i i read in the trivia she spent i think like nine months uh learning okay. sign language and learning how to like be on a on a boat, on a fishing boat and everything. But she's excellent. Oh like, my God. Flawless. Someone who is great at signing mm-hmm. great performance and also can sing. Yeah. What a powerhouse. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah and it was like, awesome. Like the whole time I kept thinking like, I, like, cause I, I peeked at the trivia while I was watching it. And so I saw like, Oh yeah, she, she committed to learning how to sign and everything for the movie. And like, I'm just thinking like, the the drive of that like but just to think like and of course i'll just uh put this back on my uh, on my own perspective and everything like i mean she's what 18 19 or something yeah and i'm like like when i was that age i could not have cared less about doing something yes yeah like i i like i would not have put that much effort into into something 
Yeah. And just like it's it's just really remarkable to see a young talent who clearly has a very a very strong uh uh range and uh hold of of her craft. Um, well, and her singing voice was is it's really realistic to the point where mm-hmm. realistic and natural to the point where like I wondered how much of the scenes with her singing were ADR'd. I was wondering that too. Some of them yeah. didn't sound like if you think of the worst example of bad ADR singing, for mm-hmm. me it's uh um Hermione in The Beauty and the Beast live oh, action. I never it's saw so that. It's so terrible. It's so <laughs> terrible. This is the opposite of that. Okay. It's great. I I don't nice. I mean I don't know. It it's natural <laughs> like they kind of let it they let the flaws stay there, mm-hmm. which is so rare, I think. Nice. Yeah. 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 She's um, great. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm I'm super looking forward to her career. And and her inevitably being snatched up by Disney and being in a Marvel movie or a Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um okay, yeah. So so let's kind of dance around a little bit and then we can go into spoilers. Sure. <clears throat> so the ending is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um because they're kind there's kind of like two major centerpieces and Mm -hmm. and they're not really centerpieces because they're not even close to the center of the movie Mm -hmm. um there's like two climaxes two major emotional climaxes and they're almost like mirror images of each other Mm -hmm. i think right um did you cry during either of them um i got very very choked up i didn't like tears didn't stream down or anything but i did get choked up and teary-eyed in a co- two distinct parts. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did. Yeah, and I don't often. I'm mm-hmm. not to try to be manly or whatever, right. but I'm not a big movie crier. Mm-hmm. And I what especially uh, there's a scene. I don't think it's a spoiler to say where the sound drops out. You get the perspective oh, yes. of a, of deaf characters. And, and what I and love so about I'm that, I'm like my wife is going to hear me crying. Oh right yeah. Now. Because the room is silent. Yeah. <laughs> well, no sound. There's no sound in the movie. They don't even do like a drone or, right. or whatever. It's and and that's what I love about like they use that at the very opportune moment. And they that's pretty much the only like they they use something like that a little bit early in the movie too. I think, but they don't. It's not a gimmick for it. It's not a showy thing. Right. It's not. And and I think that that speaks so much to the power of the filmmaking and the writing and everything that it's not it's not putting us into their perspective because like as a shortcut to be like oh this is what it's like to be deaf yeah or it's exploitative just, or, or exploitative yeah and this is and, and I mean just when it when it hits it's like oh my god this is this is so just uh, just beautifully done it's it's such a great way to. Um, explain to us a certain aspect of the story. I'll uh-huh. say that. Yeah, and the whole movie is in that scene. Oh yeah, I mean, there's oh, just yeah. there's just a roller coaster of yeah. oh, this is heartbreaking, mm-hmm. and oh my god, this is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. In the in the span of whatever it was, twenty seconds or yeah. something like that. Oh yeah. Oh my god, just, I love it. Oh my yep. god, and and Amanda, mm. my wife, turned and she was like. Or, or afterwards, I guess she was like, "I wanted to hear the song, but then I was like, oh, yeah. it was such a great choice, right? To do and what they did, and it's not. And what I love about it, and this is 
I'll, I'll dance around it a little bit, but all, all I'll say is that it's not about their experience either. It's about right. them learning something in that experience. And like, oh my God, it is, it is, it's one of the emotional crux of the movie that has a few different emotional cruxes. Absolutely. Yeah. But then I call the other scene a mirror experience because then she makes it about them. Yes. Right? Yes. Oh, oh my God. Now. Me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Thinking um, about how yes. great that pair of scenes yes. works together in that last 20 minutes of the movie. Oh, of yeah. this, Like what you were saying, like it's a, it's a moment about her and her mm-hmm. talents and, and, and us watching them learn. Yeah. But then that family, you know, it's about the ways families misunderstand each other, but mm-hmm. that's in contrast to the ways they do understand each other. And so the, sh- they're understanding, and then she understands at the end and gives it back to them in a way that is such an emotional payoff. <sighs> it's so, so fucking beautiful. It really is. It's so good. Uh, I, I love it. Uh, yeah. Do you want to go into spoilers for Coda? Yeah, let's spoil it up. All right. Well, we are going to play a clip from the trailer for Coda. Um, if you want to skip ahead to our review of Candyman, uh, check the show notes for timestamps and everything. But after you hear this clip from the trailer for Coda, we are going to go into spoilers for Coda. I want to do this. There are plenty of pretty voices with nothing to say. Do you have something to say? required to have a hearing individual on board at all times okay so mike let's talk about miles i think first and spoilers okay um yeah he gets done dirty yeah that felt so incomplete to me um and so just it it didn't it it just seemed like it i mean the whole subplot seems kind of secondary but it also just seems like like, what was the point? I, I don't understand, like, yeah. what his arc was in the movie in that case. Yeah, what's his movie about? Yeah. His parents don't give a shit. They right. fight. They want a divorce. He... Does he not really want to go to Berkeley? I feel like there's a sense, I, like, that he wants to play guitar, but he doesn't want to be in choir. I can't... What? I, I don't, don't know. know. Yeah. It's such a it's such a side story. Yeah. And, and I then mean, like mm-hmm. his whole finale is I choked. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I choked. I didn't get in. Um okay. Cool. I learned how to jump off of a of a of a thing into into a lake. <laughs> yeah. There's that. Yeah, there's that is I don't know, kind of the same way I thought that that whole thing was unnecessary, but also obvious because they're teenagers. Yeah. Er Early, there's part of me that's like, yeah, man, they're probably just going to break up. And that's kind of a bummer Mm -hmm. for the plot. But also, like, that's just what you do with your high school boyfriend. And they kind of, like, hint at that or they they, they playfully do that in their, I think, their last scene there where they're saying, like, oh, you're probably going to... chase some guy in, in Boston or whatever. And she's like, yeah, but yeah. I mean, like that's cute. It's fun banter and everything, but it's also like, yeah, that's, I mean, I, 
they're gonna uh, yeah. break up. They're gonna yeah. cry. It'll be sad. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, she's got. You know, she has to follow it's about her, her finding dreams. her way. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And so the other. Yeah. What What else do you want to talk about in spoilers? Well, just that moment where the sound cuts out. Yes. And it's um. I don't want to pretend that Ruby is not the emotional center of this movie. She is absolutely the emotional center, Mm -hmm. the protagonist and the best part of the movie. But my, my favorite supporting actor is the dad Mm -hmm. and he is never accusatory, especially like he's got this shaggy beard. He's a fisherman. He's Mm -hmm. like a sex addict or whatever. Right. Like initially I'm like, Oh, is this guy kind of like an idiot or mm-hmm. kind of like an asshole dad or whatever? And they kind of, he's not at right. all. And they kind of the- set us up to think that. Cause like there's a scene, there's a line early where I think Marley Matt Matlin's character is like, you hate people. Like, <laughs> like right. it yeah, just kind of yeah. like sets it in motion. That's like, Oh, he's going to be kind of a grump or kind of a, kind of an ass, but he's, he's really not. Not to her. No, no. For sure. Yeah. And the, so again, that scene where she skips out on the day, Mm -hmm. it's just like, you should have told us. Yeah. Like hurt that she made the choice. Not that it's not her fault that they got in trouble. I love that so much. Yeah. But that, so for it to be him to see it, the people crying yes and the people cheering as that's, the music cuts out that's the yeah. roller coaster i was referring yes. to before the spoiler was the the music cuts out and they don't get to hear and he's like confused and you're right. just like oh that's yeah devastating but like the realization when when he sees the the just random woman in the audience crying i was just like that's what got me really choked up that and to jump ahead a little bit, the scene on the back of the truck, yeah. when he when he uh, puts his hand his hands on her throat to hear her sing, oh my god, that was beautiful. Which in such an like an expert, like he listens to gangster rap yeah. because he likes the vibrations. Uh-huh. Is totally a setup for oh, that yeah. scene at the end, yeah. right? So he oh, can yeah. feel the vibrations of the singing later yeah and that even has kind of a double thing because it's it's showing her just i don't not shame but her awkwardness and her just like it's the teenage the teenager experience of like oh i'm embarrassed by my family and everything um and i'm i'm just super afraid of what everyone thinks of me and everything right it's just with a twist it's like it's not boring lame old music it's really loud gangster rap (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah, that's that's unique and interesting for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and then yes, at the end, oh my god, uh, that again. The, first of all, the performance, um, yeah. just and and knowing that she learned sign sign language, that she's not like she isn't someone who grew up with it or anything. Uh huh. But to pull that off, like that performance while signing, like uh-huh. I, like you said, I don't know if that's ADR. I don't know how they achieve that. I don't know how, like, I don't know how, but like the commitment to that and just the emotion of that is just so beautiful. Yeah. Fucking great. We're just the, we're just the howdy do dads over there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, wondering. Yep. Yeah. No, I love, there was part of me, 
again, my criticisms criticisms of the movie are so minor. Yeah. The movie's so great that mm. I just I just let them dissipate. But yeah. like showing up to an audition late, mm-hmm. you're I, done. That's what I was thinking too. Part like, of me was like, no way. That and just the way that that first part of it went like that. I'm like, this is a, this is, there's no way. Like there's, yeah. there's no yeah. way. But yeah. then I believe <laughs> <laughs> that because she can sign that they mm. would, yeah, they would accept that. Yeah. Don't you think? I, I agree. Yeah. It's not, it's not that hard to suspend my disbelief because that performance is so just uh, incredible. Right. But also another part of me is like, I mean, I've got to assume that like they have only so many positions open or so many slots open and how many people that were there on time and, uh, and didn't, uh, like didn't mess up part of the uh right. the audition are not going to get in because she well i mean i yeah, guess only but, one but, would, but yeah but my point is i also sort of believe that they would yeah. pick somebody who could sign just mm-hmm. so they say they have somebody who could do something like that oh i see okay you, you know what i'm saying yeah. like that that someone who maybe did show up time on time mm-hmm. wouldn't get I'm trying not to be critical or, yeah. or say that if that's right or wrong, because it's mm-hmm. a, I'm almost like referencing affirmative action. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's part of me that's that believes tough. that they would give her a spot. Okay. Because she could do that. Anyway, I don't whatever. We don't wanna I, yeah. I don't really want to get into that. Yeah, that's, and that's not yeah. really our place. But yeah. Um yeah, the performance is so believable. Mm-hmm. That scene is so beautiful when the family comes yeah. in and she's like looking up and like like I sensed it was about to happen before it happened. The family okay. came in and she kind of looked up I, and I think I even yeah. said to Amanda, I was like, she's going to sign it to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I was uh, like, I, I caught up to it. Like the second that I saw them on the back and I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like right before she starts on, I'm like, okay, yeah, she's going to sign. Yeah. Um, so great. So great. Um, the oh uh let's backtrack a little bit and talk about the brother so his his subplot with was that her friend or was that yeah. someone else yeah yeah her friend okay because like that did i mean i don't know it feels like that like that subplot and to to a less extent miles's subplot with her that just like i let that felt like it should have had more, more. That of makes something. me wonder if there was fifteen minutes cut out of the movie. I, I think so. I, I'm, yeah, I, I would think so because there has to because they set it up. They set it up that she would be, like that would be a big point of contention with her and her friend, and then yeah, it's not resolved in that way at all. It's just a no. thing. It would be like as it is in the final form, the way we see it, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a plot device so yeah. that she can tell him that yeah. Ruby is great later on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know? Yeah. Um, Especially they spend a lot of time with them early in the movie. Mm-hmm. That it's a little, uh, either something had to be cut or it's really an underwritten plot yeah. point. Yeah, I think it could be either case or maybe both. I don't know. 
Um, yeah. yeah. Um, anything else on spoilers for Coda? Um, I don't think so. That, okay. It's just great. I mean, yeah. it is, it is, um, I'm stealing, like I said, from our January episode, but mm-hmm. it's number one on my list right now. It's probably going to be number one on my list right now, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So moving. I haven't stopped thinking about it mm. a week later. Yeah. Um, and I just keep talking to people about it. Recommended it to my mom. She thought nice. it was wonderful. It was really great. Nice. Yeah. I, again, it's just, it's such a relief and a refreshing experience to see just something so, so good and, and feel good and something that's so with its, with its little blemishes here and there the core story is so well told and the emotion of it is so beautifully told that I, I forgive it. Those, those minor, um, uh, issues. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yep. So that's our review of Coda. Check that out on Apple TV plus. And, uh, yeah. Are you still good to review Candyman? Uh, let's do it. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to review Candyman. Um, which is a movie. Um, uh, the uh, <laughs> the IMDb plot summary is a sequel to the horror film horror film Candyman from 1992 that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. Uh, Candyman uh, stars uh, Yahya Abdul uh, Mateen the uh, second, Tiana Paris, and uh, Coleman Domingo, and. Uh, is it a spoiler to say that a certain person is in the movie, Tony Todd? No, I think that no. that was advertised. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, it's uh, uh, directed by Nia DaCosta and uh, written by Jordan Peele, Wynne Rosenfeld, and Nia DaCosta. And... Uh, it is, um, yeah, it's it's from Monkey Paw Productions. It was originally supposed to come out in 2020, um, but it is a movie that got pushed to 2021 thanks to the world. Um, so, <laughs> Mike, yeah, of yeah. of these two movies, this mm-hmm. was the one I anticipated. Coda was a surprise, okay. yeah. Um, and so this one, uh, I'm uh, I wouldn't say I'm a super fan of mm-hmm. the original, but I really enjoy the original okay. a lot. Um, I only saw it for the first time maybe five or six years ago. Okay. Uh, it's not a movie I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely grew up knowing the term Candyman. It was yeah. scary images, you know, going to the movie store and seeing the box yeah. art and that sort of thing. But um, in my home, funny enough, Chicago, I didn't mm-hmm. grow up in Cabrini Green, uh, but... We Bloody Mary was the thing you said in in, yeah, in the mirror. Same here. Um, so I don't know if that's like an amalgam of a couple of legends. Um, but I, I didn't. We didn't really like say Candyman a bunch of times in the sure. mirror when I was younger. Anyway, um, so I have been anticipating this movie for a long time. Mm-hmm. I love Jordan Peele's stuff. Yeah, I know we're supposed to make it extremely clear that it's Nia DaCosta's movie. Right. And I, I'm fully buy into that, but um, man, as soon as this was announced, a kind of a modern interpretation, I think it was er- early on, it was kind of pitched as a, a remake to the original. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was excited about that, but uh, to finally have this come out again, I'm going to 
jump to my my ultimate feelings about it mm-hmm. was totally worth the wait. Nice, nice. Totally worth the wait for me. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Sweet. I so I never saw the original. I've never seen any of the Candyman movies. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I was, um, I I I was kind of conflicted on if I should try to watch the original or get better a better sense of it. But then I just ran out of time. And <laughs> so um, yeah. So I I I was very pleased to say that I did not feel lost in it or anything. Um, yeah. Which is like my biggest concern going into anything that is part of a franchise that I haven't seen in the other ones. Like um, t- brief, brief sidetrack, but like back in uh, like what, tw- 2007, maybe this was the first movie we saw in the theater together. But um, when I came down to visit you, your sophomore year, I, we went and saw one of the resident evils, um, no, movies. not sophomore year. The only one we saw together sophomore year was Grindhouse. Okay, was that then the next year? Because I know I came down to visit you. Maybe Resident. Evil. Yeah, it was a Resident Evil. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But it was like Resident Evil three or something, and like, like it was it was a movie night, and like you you were like, wow, we got to see a movie, and then like the choices were like between that and like Jackass three D. And like I was like, oh, I don't want, I don't give two shits about Jackass. <laughs> like I'll, I'll watch a Resident Evil movie not having any context. But like it gave me a little bit of anxiety because like going into just watching a movie kind of completely out of context. So seeing Candyman, I just, I really appreciate the way that it is very much, uh, it's very much okay with um, new, old fans and new fans alike. Um, <laughs> but it, it is something that's accessible. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, oh God, I, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong again, but, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, um, he was in a phenomenal episode of, uh, 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 Black Mirror. Um, oh, and obviously he's been in a lot of, a lot yeah. of good shit. Uh, Watchmen, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, he was in the trial of the Chicago seven and very, uh, um, underused, I guess. And also, obviously, oh, he is greatest showman. He's yep. in an episode of handmaid's tale, Baywatch. Huh? Yeah. But, uh, I would, have you seen his episode of, of black mirror by chance of all of the black mirror episodes I've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen zero. Okay. Okay, well, I will. I will refrain <laughs> from. Oh, you're fine. I will refrain from g- giving you the hard sell. But I will say that his episode is season five, episode one, "Striking Vipers." It's him and Anthony Mackie as uh, old friends who uh, kind of drift apart over the years, and they reconnect in surprising ways via a video game. Um, I'll leave it at that. Very yeah. good, incredible performances by both Anthony Mackie and uh, uh, God, um, yeah, yeah, yeah Abdul Mateen. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. this movie is interesting to talk about, yes, um, because how do I say it? I use the word interesting too much. Oh, you're fine. This movie is unique to talk about because we live in an era that I fully agree with where. 
Um, I don't know that like our voices have to be heard on what white people's thoughts about this movie are. Yeah, yeah. I You know what I mean? There's something yeah. to me that feels um like unfair or or kind of like buying into that uh white patriarchy mm-hmm. where like, you know, if I talk about the the black culture portrayed in this movie and the themes uh, of how black people are supposed to feel about this movie. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so specific to that genre mm-hmm. that I feel almost out of my depth. I agree 100%. And what I love about this movie in, in regards of that is that the critic character <laughs> is us right now. Like struggling with that, like, because it it's we just by who we are we we don't we're not the people to um to uh really understand um the the kind of intricacies and the and the subtext of of this movie on a level that uh, like the 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 uh the black community can yeah um so like it's it's an example of a movie that I I don't know it's 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 uh it's interesting. <laughs> it is interesting, yeah. and I want to talk about it. And and mm-hmm. privately, I talk about it with my friends. And I I don't think anything is off limits to talk about. Right. At yeah. All right. I mean, I, I I'm definitely a proponent of like sharing ideas and mm-hmm. and shedding light on gentrification. Yes. Uh, and black rights and promoting um black lives mm-hmm. and black voices that is obviously important to me yes but to like talk about the effect that certain moments should have on black audiences yeah is not my place to say yeah, totally totally isn't isn't that an interesting and difficult balance because what i think is so cool or so perfect and genius about mm-hmm. jordan peele's work and now and now Nia DaCosta mm-hmm. is their ability to make really frightening and entertaining movies for white people <laughs> that shed light on a thing that we need to mm-hmm. see, but then also really talk to the black audience. Yeah. It's, it's that level of, um, I guess, I guess empathy and just, just awareness and, and, uh, just presenting ideas and, and perspectives. That's the thing that I, I mean, I, I love that in terms of seeking out, you know, cause there's such a propensity for people to uh, engage in tribalism and kind of just see, like see themselves in, in the work and see themselves like, like gravitate towards something because they see themselves. Uh, decent example of that to bring back to bring us back to marvel is the just deluge of shit that uh brie larson has been subjected to and Mm -hmm. has still is subjected to same with the 2016 ghostbusters because you know you made a uh, ghostbusters with females and uh you know uh, men got upset got upset about that because they're fucking fragile and childish and stupid Mm -hmm. but it's 
but uh, like to view to view any art is to you know uh to collect different perspectives on our culture and 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 other cultures and and uh, like people's experiences and stuff and the fact that we can do that and we can have that like that that a that a horror movie uh not to disparage that genre but like that a <laughs> that a horror movie can can be the vessel for that is really interesting and i say that and i'm putting my foot in my mouth because there's so many people who see genre movies and shows as like like the the I'll be frank, the fucking idiots who see like genre movies and shows and complain about them having politics in them when it's like they're inherently political. Like it is inherently like they're, they're almost like afraid of this didactic perspective. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, they all are. Yeah. Oh yeah. All art is, all art you know, is, but like, yeah. if you like horror, you have to see Night of the Living Dead. Right. Which is one. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh, God, I, I had another point that I was going to uh, bring up, but I, I don't know. But um, I will say that in that same line, like, this is this is a Monkey Paw production from Jordan Peele's company and everything. Jordan Peele and Wynn Rosenfeld were, uh, you know, the executive producers of CBS All Access's Twilight Zone, which I reviewed in extensively on my solo podcast anthology. But I've got to say, that show had two seasons, and... I was I was I was sad to see that it wasn't going to have a third season by the choice of the producers and everything but I've got to say seeing this movie I really like there were multiple times where I was like I I I wish that Nia DaCosta had been able to do like an episode of Twilight Zone season 3 uh because yeah. I mean just like the the filmmaking the the way that the camera moves those just massive massive wide shots uh and just it's just it is it is just gorgeous um yeah yeah she she already has an expert uh eye for color palettes yes like her her like choices of reds and mm-hmm. just uh, you know moments every now and then are perfect like yeah. in Anthony's hat I think is like mm-hmm. for some reason yeah. I don't quite know what to make of it but it's mm. like always the focal point of my eye yeah. in every scene that it's in uh and as the character kind of uh, regresses I was going to say progresses but sure. as the character <laughs> evolves Mm. He kind of almost had like his costume is like his painting white painting painting smock yep. that he's wearing with just this red cap uh, uh, mm-hmm. on his head. Um, great eye for colors, mm. and yeah, those what so also playing scare sequences in mirrors. Yes. A lot of howdy do that moments. Yeah. So was that a was that a thing from the original, or is that something that they did for this movie? Not quite. Okay. He, he's he's like lives inside a few mirrors, but there's no mm-hmm. like he's not. You see it in the mirror, then he's not there. Gotcha. Like he would crash through mirrors every now and then. Okay. There's an interesting thing I want to talk about mm-hmm. when we get to the spoiler section. Okay. About Tony Todd's Candyman and the connection to the original. Okay. That I think is really. <laughs> 
Please listen to the spoilers because I think it's the <laughs> it's my favorite aspect of the entire movie. But okay, we'll get there when we get there. Nice. Um, and then those wide shots that you're talking about. There's mm. one kill that is a, a, oh a very God. wide shot. Oh my that is God! So haunting. So good. So yeah. freaking good. And it's so, like it it pulls back throughout it and just like, oh my God! It is. It is. It reminds me. A little, not to, not to, I mean, I don't know. I, it, it reminds me a bit of some of the scenes in Us, um, Jordan Peele's Us, like in particular uh-huh. in, in the house, the kind of home intrusion kind of scene. But this was just, I mean, it is, it is that kind of just, it, it, uh, it mirrors, um, some of the uh-huh. like establishing wide shots and like just the shots that you see of, um, of of uh of Anthony walking through the uh the 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 um the the projects and Cabrini Green Cabrini Green yeah and like seeing like it mirrors that and then like you see the ah oh, it's it's just it's so good it's so good yeah yeah so okay I'll I'll tease a little bit what this movie does okay uh so um effectively and interestingly mm-hmm. is that the movie opens in 1977 yes which is before the events of the original movie right because that was 92 is, is modern in 1992 okay right mm-hmm. and then so it's projects in 77 uh, it's slums in 92 oh. and then it's gentrified in 2019 okay the, the modern setting of that one so mm-hmm. it's cool that you get the the bookends in this movie yeah. that take place around the the original okay with you know about 20 years swing on either side so the movie opens with a really cool by the way all the all the uh like production logos oh, were mirrored I, I loved that i which loved I thought that was really cool yeah and then, uh, I'll admit, I didn't catch this right away. I had to read it later. Okay. The opening is is the, the skyline of Chicago, skyscrapers, mm-hmm. but upside down. I, so you're looking down. How do, you, how do you put it? You're looking up at the skyscrapers, but it's flipped upside down. So you're like on top of the bottom of the skyscrapers. Okay. 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 Yeah. I I didn't understand what that was when I saw it, but okay. I think that's the best way to describe it. But I yeah. thought that that was that was very striking. That so the camera is yeah. on the street, mm. pointing up. Yeah. Going down, but, but like the image is like inverted or something. But the image is inverted. Yeah. But the original opens with a helicopter shot right side up of downtown Chicago. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So it's and it's a daytime shot. Okay. I think if I remember correctly. So wow. this is a nighttime shot of the same you know walk yeah. whatever flipped the other way. God, that's so cool. Really great. Yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and then so the 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 difference here is that um the main one of the main commentaries this is making is uh, the gentrification mm-hmm. of Cabrini Green. So yeah. now it's like you know, high rise, beautiful mm-hmm. homes, rich, yeah. bougie people live there. Yes. Um, 
shoot, what was the point I was trying to make about that? <laughs> so uh, 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 the main character lives there and is trying to follow and learn this um, this legend mm-hmm. of the of Candyman and finds out that it's a myth that's kind of been going on for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so that that that's kind of where I get into how much do I want to talk about the black perspective that this movie is trying right. to portray and how much do I just want to pull back and talk about what's effective about the filmmaking, mm-hmm. the performances and the scares because after the movie, we talked about all of the racial aspects mm-hmm. of the movie and how the main female lead was named Brianna. And there's all kinds of oh, say my name. Shit. There's all kinds of say my name and say his name iconography throughout. Uh-huh. I feel like such an idiot. I did That's not. That's okay. Yeah. Whoa. I know, because it's not really in your face. Right. Man. Yeah. And so there's this God. Uh, man, I'm I'm sorry I'm like Hemin and Hanier. I'm trying to come up with yeah. the best way to say it. I wanted to talk about this stuff when I knew we were gonna do this podcast episode, but mm-hmm. then I spent today reading um articles by black writers mm-hmm. about their perspective with the movie and and the voices, the black voices that it's representing. Mm-hmm. And I really felt like who am I right. to say? I, I would almost rather say, read this guy's article, read this guy's article, read mm-hmm. this guy's article. So There's a, when we post this episode, yeah. I'll actually tweet some of those articles out nice. beneath. I but saw there the, was a there was there was a Twitter thread that was like asking people to post their like yes, like black yeah. voices there. Um, I'll find I'll try to find that and put that link in the show notes. Those are better and more informative than anything I mm-hmm. could say. But if I get uh, just really quickly, one of the main themes is um, that this movie is about myth making mm-hmm. and how uh, this is kind of understated, but like the story of the black perspective in America has been stolen by white people. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a, a a human black antagonist in this movie mm-hmm. who ultimately wants to reclaim the myth from the black perspective. So yeah. gentrification happened because the white people took over mm-hmm. and they're now stealing the story of the black perspective. They're stealing the story of the projects. Now you can get a nice apartment and do mm-hmm. art and we hide all those deaths that happened. That happened yeah. so long ago. People don't want to talk it anymore. The original one, Candyman, was about a white woman's struggle with the black mm-hmm. perspective. But this one is about, and again, I, I'll, this is spoiler stuff that I'll save for later, but um, the 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 one of the villains of the movie who who is who is not Candyman um, wants to reclaim the story mm-hmm. for himself, so he reignites the myth. Yeah, and I think that that without claiming I have some agency mm-hmm. or or like some entitlement to that to that voice or that perspective, that worked so well for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's beautifully said. I mean, that, that is the perspective that the movie is presenting. And that is the perspective that I find, uh, really, really 
just engaging and it. it's presented in such a way that I, I found it to be uh, captivating, I guess, and, and eye-opening. Um, yeah. Yeah. I apologize for anybody who's still listening and they're like, this is just a bunch of woke word salad. <laughs> right. <laughs> of me like dancing around what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I don't know. I Maybe we do this a lot. It's on my mind. It's I in the world right now. I don't think so. And if anyone, if anyone feels that it's just like woke word salad, word salad, like, I mean, that it's in the, it's in the fucking text of the movie. Like, this is what the movie <laughs> yeah. is. Like, it's not, it's not two woke white guys talking about, oh, like, uh, like talking about the, like, s- virtue signaling a movie or something like that. It's, this is the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah. It's text. It's hardly even subtext. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's done really well. So, the scares. I thought this movie was scary. Oh my god the 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 visual component of the, there was a there was a moment where I squirmed so much in my I I I was in the movie theater with and and there were I was by myself. There were two people like a few rows ahead of me, and like I I just instinctively squirmed and I just let out a oh, sound <laughs> and like I had to like. I had to like like pull it back because I was going to just like I was going to just flip out and just go like oh no 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 like I was gonna I didn't want to disrupt these people's viewing experience but like it was without spoiling what what about what were you talking oh yeah yeah that gets you huh I just that is one of the th- I just I just showed him on the chat but um it yeah that is that is one of my just I can't do it. I I can't do it in horror movies. That's one of the like one of maybe maybe three or four things that can happen in a horror movie that I'm just like nope I can't I can't I can't <laughs> fucking do it. And one of them actually also happens in the movie. Um, uh, I I won't say specifically where it is, but uh, it's very it's kind of it's underplayed a little bit. But the Achilles tendon. I you don't want to be murdered in a bathroom. Well, yeah. <laughs> no yeah. oh yeah that one was super gnarly yeah yep yep just that oh. guy oh my god he reminded me of the character crispin from not maybe it's not crispin mm. i don't remember the character's name but in your next oh okay just kind of that douchey white guy yeah Oh my like god! Bougie asshole. Yeah. Interesting that his name is Clive. Surely I, named for Clive Barker. I thought so too. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah. But why would they name the asshole character Clive? I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's like an in joke or something. Maybe it's something maybe. that as a gag. But in that his performance in like a certain scene, all like it's 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 really effective in terms of the visual components. But like. His reaction, just like, I was just like, that took me out of it. I was like, yeah, okay, this is, this is like, this is. This movie's going hard. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but, but like his lines and his reaction was just like, it wasn't campy, but it was like, it was just like, it was, it was incongruous with what was happening on screen. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, it felt like it wasn't in the right tone of the movie. Maybe I can speak more in spoilers, but it was just like. It was weird. It was it was it was a little weird, but the actual scene as it plays out, I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um that was yeah. a good like solid scare sequence. Yeah. You yep. know, that first that first 
I don't know that it's too spoilery to say the first Candyman yeah. attack, the first yeah. Candyman murders. Yeah. Um, Candyman's in this movie. Right, <laughs> That's right. not a spoiler. Yeah. That's Candyman shows up several yeah. times. Yep. Uh, so that first Candyman sequence, mm-hmm. but um, early on in the movie, um, before the 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 um, the Candyman ghost stuff shows up, uh, there's a scene where a boy sees. Candyman in the reflection. Yeah. Just like that perspective from a child mm-hmm. is so like I can remember that feeling. Yes. And I would have died. Oh, I yeah. would have just died. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it does all the all the all the har- hallmarks of good effective tension building like the the light flickering and the the sound of the machines and stuff and just like that atmosphere is really good. And something I uh I don't remember if I said this but like the music the music throughout this entire movie is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, just really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go into spoilers? We might as well. I yeah. feel like so much of what I want to say hinges on the spoilers. Yeah. Um, do you want to kind of put like your a semi-final thought? Yeah. Sure. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, I, 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 liked it a lot for the subtext and the scares and uh some of the stuff that it says and i it makes me curious to check out you know the original um the the just the i'm i'm so excited to see more from nita costa because just the visual component of it like i said those wide shots were amazing those those the way that the camera moves and and captures it i mean it's just it it is it is it is fantastic mm-hmm. also the performances i thought were uh pretty good all around um yaya uh uh abdul mateen mm-hmm. he uh i mean i had no doubts he was great i also liked coleman domingo and uh yeah i i thought i thought it was i thought it was a good movie yeah yeah i really liked it a lot too um it'll be on my top 10 Mm. um i don't know that it moved me quite the same as coda did sure i mean that movie moved me um but i also love horror so there's that extra weight to it i also love chicago so there's Mm -hmm. that extra weight to it yep this one was really worth the wait i mean Mm -hmm. i love when i can kind of turn we saw it on a movie night when i can turn to jake halfway through a movie and just be like oh this is good and just worth nice. it. Um, like you said, I thought all the performances were great. I love, they didn't do, there was a little bit of humor. It wasn't mm-hmm. funny in a way a Jordan Peele movie can be funny. Right. Um, but some of the moments where they just just briefly hinted at like being aware of what genre it was in. And yeah. I really liked, I thought that was effective. Mm. Um, and stick around for the spoilers because yes. the thing I love most is how this um, recontextualizes the original yes. movie. And I'm looking and, forward to chatting with you about that. Yeah, and expands yeah. on it. And mm-hmm. I think it's better than the original. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Well, having said that, we're going to go into our spoiler discussion for Candyman 2021. Uh, we're going to play a clip from the trailer. And then when we come back, we are going to spoil Candyman. I feel really connected to this neighborhood. Cabrini Green. It was the projects. I just moved in around the corner. The old candy factory. I'm an artist. You look up a candy man. 
He's the monster that's part of this neighborhood. Why are you drawn to this? I'm hoping to spread the story all about Candyman. The mirror invites you to summon him. You should say his name. I dare you. Candyman. 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 Don't say that. Candyman. <laughs> All right. Well, spoilers on for Candyman. And uh, uh, yeah, Mike, you were showing me something. Yeah. Well, just my phone's listening to me. The third tweet on my line uh, was some other podcast doing their Candyman. Okay. Well, let's not promote another them. Another podcast of white dudes <laughs> saying their yep. Candyman. <laughs> but did they also review Coda? I didn't oh, probably think so. not. Yeah, well. Anyway, um so spoilers on for Candyman. I want to get your thoughts on it, it like what you were hinting at, but I want to talk about beforehand something that struck me about it was the way that it um de- depicts and again, this is all like areas that I, it's a little it's a little I don't know, difficult to to talk sure. about. Mm-hmm. But like the the uh police presence in the movie and how in 1977 um it's it's very it's 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 very um interesting the way that it shows that like okay this kid just goes to the laundry and then he screams and like the result is not that the cops are coming to save him or anything it's just that they're going to go and beat this man to death and like that is just so uh just such a such a strong statement and it's it's interesting in that in that case but then the thing that i I just i kind of my jaw dropped because just i thought that this was this was one of the reasons why i thought like oh shit if if nia DaCosta could have made a twilight zone episode i would have been just all for it i would have eaten it up because at the end when when they come and shoot him i i thought that it was just I don't know exactly what this is saying, but I thought that it it was really fascinating the way that we don't see the cop. We only see his shadow. And it's just it's just so just so interesting for a movie that is depicting depicting like the the bad guy of the movie through mirrors and not in real life. And then we see this this police this policeman gun down this man who is not a threat. Um, but we only see his shadow. I just thought that that was just very evocative and it just made my jaw drop. Um, well, yeah. and it mirrors that when the boy is telling the story, he's doing it in shadow puppets. Yes. Yes. And I, oh my God, I can't believe That's we didn't really talk good. about that non-spoilers, but that whole element I thought was just yeah, really, it was. really it was. great. So I I could be misremembering this because mm-hmm. it's been 24 hours since I've seen the movie. But, sure. Um, I think the movie opens with the ki- the dialogue of the boy telling about the cops, like doing the like the cops beating on um, yes. the black man. Yeah, he's doing the shadow puppet thing. It says nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, I think part of you goes, "Oh, interesting." So there's a kid today talking. Oh, mm-hmm. they've been talking about this since nineteen seventy seven. Oh, yeah. I could be wrong. I could be just like wishfully thinking that that would be clever but i I feel like i remember thinking 
Oh, no, they were being, they're saying that is that you're 100% right because that, that first scene is him, him in the room doing that. And then it's not 77 until he goes outside. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so good. That, that the, is just that, that timeless struggle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, my God. I didn't even, I didn't even put that together. Like, I noticed it, obviously, but like, holy shit. Okay. That's really <laughs> brilliant yeah. storytelling. Oh, yeah. And filmmaking. Yeah. That's oh, impressive. Yeah. Um, All right. So what this movie does to recontextualize Mm -hmm. the original, I thought was so interesting. Sorry. Sorry. To to, to that point also, um, it's worth noting that the, that the puppets or whatever that he has is like in the style of an old timey policeman beat cop with like a billy club and everything. Like it's Mm -hmm. like, it's so it's even, it's even another layer there that it's like the timeless struggle of that. So so yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. That kid is modeling something even older. Yeah. 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 So anyway. So the main uh, villain, it's hard to even call him a villain, mm-hmm. is uh, that character played by Coleman Domingo. Yeah. Burke. Burke, who, yeah. who owns the laundromat mm-hmm. or is the maintenance. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, he kind of tells Anthony about Candyman. But in the original Candyman from 1992, mm-hmm. you don't really ever know why he's called Candyman. Oh, okay. It's just the it's just the name they put like they're they're uh, conflating Candyman legend with this guy with the hook and the bees and the blah 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 blah. Oh, okay. blah. But there's no he like doesn't give candy anybody. Oh, that's just interesting. Candy. So when he says, which feels like such a central theme of of the movie, when he says, "Well, it's not one man; it's the whole damn hive," mm-hmm. that they haven't been. They called the Candyman from 1992, Tony Todd, Candyman, because they started calling that idea Candyman mm-hmm. in 1977. Oh, okay, okay. Which we don't learn until this movie. Right. Because God. that man gave candy, and so they applied that that thing to all of these different black ghosts over the wow. years. Yeah. I liked. fuck, I like that a lot. That's yeah. really good. Damn. There's something I I always kind of apply the filter of like maybe the ghost isn't real and it's just this thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I can't make that work with this movie. I really do think that there yeah. is a ghost oh, killing yeah. a vengeful spirit. Mm-hmm. Um but but the idea that so the one of the best articles I read is that like you know, the original about this is about the white woman, Helen, mm-hmm. who brought the Candyman into existence during that one okay. and her experience of the fear of black America and Cabrini Green. Mm-hmm. But this one is you don't I hesitate to call Burke a villain because mm-hmm. he is reclaiming the story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He is saying we're going to make people fearful again. We're gonna enact vengeance again. I'm. We're gonna yeah. make a Candyman, mm-hmm. and he does. <laughs> and he does. Yeah, it works. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I mean, I don't know. 
<laughs> I just I I really liked it. It was good. There's a lot. There's yeah. there's some of the criticisms I've seen is mm-hmm. that it's a bit overstuffed for its 90 minute runtime. Like they, uh, they yeah, she, she tries every uh critical race theory concept in mm-hmm. time. And I think that that is a fair criticism. Sure, yeah. Some of it I wish was expanded. Mhm. Some of it I wish was a little clearer. Yeah. Yeah, the stuff with um with with her her father, I feel like that stuff, yeah. Yeah, that that felt because like that dream sequence where she's dreaming of I guess she's dreaming of her father and then also it's it's doubled over with with her discovering Clive and the, and the girl. Yeah. Um and then she wakes up and then wakes up again and then Anthony's in the bathroom saying he has a bad dream. Like I was like, "Wait, did we just see two nightmares for these two people? And why is he dreaming right. of her? Like, who is this? Like, that felt just a little bit like uh, confusing to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. I think there were um, a couple of confusing bits. Yeah, like her whole backstory with her father. I like. I don't feel like that was needed like at all. Um, no, no, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. Um, and I also think that that scene in the bathroom at the high school yeah. was was just a kill count. Yeah, a number, a number patter. I I agree. I kind of it's well done oh, and yeah. gross and really mm-hmm. scary. Yeah, I love how the how it uh, how it really lingers on the compact before it shows him in the reflection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really like that. But and this is going to be I, I'm going to try to uh, infer what they're what they're going for with in term. Maybe it's a a, a a a racial thing that they're going for with that. But like the idea of these these white girls trying to bring out Candyman is them trying to them it's it's a it's a it's an example of you know white people trying to take the uh Candyman legend and and like kind of appropriate that that uh for them and that's why you know the 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 uh black girl doesn't get any um yeah any any uh killed yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and most of the black characters like know better them oh, to yeah. summon him oh yeah right oh, yeah. they're always like no and his mom was, which by the way was played by the same actress oh nice who played the the woman in the original who loses the baby nice that's yeah. awesome okay yeah. okay yeah. so so just to clarify yeah that whole like baby thing and helen uh everything that, that's the we first see movie. that happen okay yes. gotcha gotcha yes. that oh that makes me interested to see it um yeah. It's good. It's a little slower. Sure. Um, people love to call it the second best horror movie of the nineties. Oh wow. Um or maybe the third. I don't know. Mm. Depends on where you put yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Okay. But um My It's a little slower. Okay. My experience with Candyman before tonight, seeing it in, in the theater, was uh Scream. When Stu says to uh, Sydney, uh, "What do you like, like?" I didn't think Billy was going to be here or something. And then Stu says, "Well, not after you branded him the Candyman." Um, and then that's right, you know, yeah. And then in Scream Two, when Randy says, uh, uh, "Sequels are whatever," and he says, "What about Candyman's daughter? Um, she's sweet. She's deadly. She's bad for your teeth." 
so yeah, so that's my extensive knowledge. I don't know what that's a reference to. I think that that's just a. I think that that was just Kevin Williamson being funny. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, um, anyway, yeah. Maybe a little bit of Universal Monsters, like Dracula's daughter and stuff, but yeah. The original Candyman. We could talk about that. It's like mm-hmm. the last famous. It's like the last big horror movie mm-hmm. before Scream changed horror. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. it's the last horror movie like affected by Scream. Wow, wow. That's that's an interesting. I mean, surely angle. there were several horror movies that came out. Oh from yeah, ni- between 1992 and 1996. Right. I'm not. I'm not doing a total dismissal of yeah. four years or whatever. But when you think of like major horror mm. movies, yeah. What was the? Wow. Hold on one second. I guess uh, Halloween Six came out in 1995. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah. That's an existing IP, right? Right. Hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Are we do? Do we need to do final thoughts? I, I don't think know, this so. There's a whole lot more to say about Candyman. Yeah, I'm. I'm very intrigued to see the original now, and yeah. I. I mean. Holy, like, I I just, I really, really uh, enjoyed this. And I think that the stuff coming out of, like, Monkey Paw Productions is really, really good. Like, not mm-hmm. just Jordan Peele's stuff, but, like, this. And, of course, I'm a, a Twilight Zone stan. But, um, and oh, God, we could have talked about, uh, we couldn't have talked about it because there's no information about it. But, nope. Um Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just that poster art is like amazing. So, I don't know. So, just really interesting stuff coming out of Monkey Paw and Candyman uh just really delivered. And uh oh, we didn't talk about the thing that the gruesomeness of it. And also the uh the just like the visual oh, in the scene, the the scene in the apartment. Fuck. Um <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, yeah, of the of the agent or whatever, the or the reporter, critic, yeah, being killed and smeared yes. across the window. That was so, so effective. Yeah, that and then the part that uh, that I just I couldn't handle uh, was the the fingernail. I just I can't do that. I can't. That's ugh. funny. That that stuff doesn't really do it for me anymore. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, I don't know. Yeah. Also, the the growing infection of the of the bee sting, just like him pulling at the. Yeah. Was it like it was like honeycomb? Yes. Yes. Right? I thought that that was brilliant. I thought that yes. that was really really cool. Yeah. Um really smart. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really smart. Oh yeah. Really I good stuff. It. Yep, good makeup too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh yeah, just really really good. Yeah. I enjoyed um, it as yeah. well. Um definitely worth the wait. Mm-hmm. I really love um the reclaiming the myth angle of it um visually frightening it's a movie Mm -hmm. where if i feel up for it i might sneak out one night in the next couple of weeks and try to see it again oh nice i I think it's worth taking in again for me for sure nice very nice um i don't know if i'll see it in theaters again but i think i might buy it on digital when it comes out 
Um, but yeah, but that's our review of Candyman. Let us know what you thought of Coda and Candyman. And uh, Mike, do we have any parting thoughts before we sign out for the night? I don't think so. Uh, Thanks yeah. so much for having me back. Um, yeah. I know that <laughs> I always get a couple of kind tweets after I'm on an uh-huh. episode. So that always yeah. feels very good. If you're, oh, yeah. if you're one of those listeners, mm-hmm. thank you again. You don't have to, but, uh, but thank you for listening. Yes. If you're listening, appreciate it. And I say you have to uh, tweet him at, I am Mike white. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. And once again, where can people find as good as it gets and the spirit of the staircase? Um, well, as good as it gets, if you just search that and look beyond all the Jack Nicholson paraphernalia, you'll be <laughs> right. able to find the band. But as good as it gets music.com, as good Sweet. as it gets music.com, that's our landing page that has all the stuff. Uh, as good as it gets on Spotify, iTunes, whatever has all that stuff as well. Sweet. Awesome. Well, congratulations on the album. Thank you. And, uh, and yeah, and thank you for joining me for this uh, extended chat. It's always just a fucking blast, man. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, all right. I'm going to play us out. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we'll be back next time with something. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, next time is Ebert's Great Movies list part 10, I think. Uh, we're doing 2001 A Space Odyssey, Solaris, and, uh, oh, God, um, Oh, uh, fuck, what is it? Um, Dog Day Afternoon. So that'll be next. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening, and have a good one. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Um, yeah, uh, I've just been plugging along, doing my thing. Cool. Um, Yeah. Uh, worth mentioning, I'm going to mention on the podcast, but I did do a guest spot on the year of underrated Stephen King. Nice. Had a very, very delightful time on that show. So I'm very excited for people to listen to it. That's cool. Um, are you going to listen to it, Tiny? Totes. <clears throat> okay, cool. Um, there are certain points in it that you'll need to skip over. Cause I, I just, anytime you, anytime you hear me say my fucking co-host, uh, just, <laughs> just skip it. Okay. Um, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I'll be sure yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, just kidding, just kidding. Please don't leave. <laughs> the Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to ObsessiveViewer.com slash OV archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer and at Obsessive Tiny. And follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White, that's me, at R.A. Fekis and at Burger underscore Lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. 
For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower Series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty! Kitty!